Welcome to worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on August 15th, 2021. In this conclusion of the Press On series, Pastor Ram Dias continues to Philippians 3, 17 through 21. I Just Didn't Stop Part 2 reminds us that there are no finish lines in the Christian walk and that we can all use a coach in this endurance race.
pleasures of this world. We seek them above you sometimes, Lord, and we just come today to, to say that we know you are the only thing that can satisfy our soul. And we just ask today that you would convict us of, of putting you above all else because we were created to worship, Lord, and the only thing we want to worship is you. Be with us today, God. Be in our presence. Help change our hearts from the inside. Use the message and the music and the word today to guide us into the world to show other people this incredible love that you've given to us, one that we don't deserve. Help us go out and show others to speak your name and mold and proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Uh, well, we, we come now to, again, a time of renewal. And um, again, I just, this might be one of my favorite parts of our, of our liturgy and our worship service because we're saying, Father, we're reading his word, and again, his word examines our heart, and we're saying, Father, we need your grace again. We need to fall upon your grace. One of the, 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 the key takeaways of the assessment that we wore around this last week was I wrote a big in my notebook, and, and it, it, was, it was in the context of them talking to preachers, and it was saying, Brothers, preachers, preach the Jesus you need. And I just want to be very clear that God, even, even the people that stand up here again, right? We need grace. It doesn't matter how far along in the Christian walk you are, you don't graduate from it. We need him. We need this renewal. All right, so hear the word of the Lord in Jeremiah 17, verse 5, and then 9 through 10, and then 13. So a little bit older place. It says this. Cursed is the man who trusts, who trusts the man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. So what we're going to do now is just we're going to take a time of silent prayer and confession. We're, we're saying we're going to just be honest with God. And we're going to say, Lord, we're laying before the things that we have forsaken you this week. And maybe even this morning. And we're going to fall upon his grace. So let's take a time of silent prayer and confession. Father, I thank you so much that there is hope. There is redemption. There is grace in you, Jesus. And we can come to you just as we are. And we thank you, Father, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and you will purify us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, I'm praying again for the person who came in here, and maybe that I didn't even give them enough time of silence prayer or confession, because they just, a lot of things were coming to their mind. Lord, let that drive them continue to your grace, to your abundant love, that God, there's, there's nothing that we can like, confess that you're not going to cleanse, that you're not going to heal, that your grace won't meet us in. So Lord, may we rest in your grace this morning, and the assurance of our forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Amen. So hear the word of the Lord now as we talk about the assurance of our pardon, which I love this passage. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says this, You who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
meaning your flesh was in line with what God wanted. God, though, says God made a life together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. And I love this next part. Listen, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. Amen. Let's leave it there. So now let's let's continue to worship the song. I invite you to stand and sing it out.
Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be at. Um, and uh, just just so you know, next week, I really encourage you, it's, it's, we're going to start Galatians. So we're in Philippians, and we're going to be in Galatians. We're going to go through the whole book of Galatians next week. Uh, not, oh gosh, not just next week. Yo, goodness, hang on, man. But for, for a while, throughout the fall. And so really, I encourage you, man, try to make it out for that one. Um, it's it's going to be so good to go through a whole book uh, together. So that starts next week. Uh, but I, we're in Philippians, and uh, last week, uh, I said we were going to start a two-week series going through Philippians uh, chapter 3, and then 12 through 21. And last week we looked at 12 through 16, and today we're going to look at 17 through 21. And what we're asking, what the, the question that Paul is really getting at here, and he's really digging in here, is how do we grow in Christian maturity? Like, how do we keep pressing on to knowing more of him? And this is really key. you got to get this. We talked about this last week. We talked about the fact that that Paul can press on and he can he can long to grow in Christian maturity because he first was loved by Christ. He first was transformed by Christ. That's the pattern. Okay? You we don't get right with God by trying to work toward him. We we are accepted, we are redeemed, we are healed. And out of this, knowing that there's nothing in there about ourselves that we can do in and of ourselves, we want more. All right? You tracking? Because if you hear this message as like, oh, these are three more things I have to do, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, and what Paul's saying here is that these are things in my life that are there because I realize what Christ has done, and I want more. And I want more. All right? So, let's look at this. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, 17, 17 through 21. It says right here, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. Let's pray again. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for this passage. Father, this is not a performance. This is, I pray this would just be, we would just be called in worship. God, that you would help me to clearly show them what's there in this text, the people that's there. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir our affection, our delight to know you more. To know you more, to long to know you more. And so Jesus, again, just come. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill 
this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, how many of you guys watched the Olympics? How many watched the Olympics? Go ahead, it's okay, you can be interactive. Okay, my family is the only ones that watch the Olympics. Okay, 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 somebody watch the Olympics. All right, so uh, one thing uh, that I, I really liked about the Olympics uh, and that I always, I always jab at is the difference between the sprints and then the marathons. All right? Like, uh, the, the reason why is because no one wants to watch the marathon. <laughs> and no one, I mean, besides sick people like myself. Um, you know, because why? It's like, it's, it's super long. It's like this long, drawn-out thing, and you're just watching people run. And uh, there, there's agony on their face, and there's just, you know, they're dumping water all over themselves. It just looks horrible. <laughs> Uh, my wife's like, why are you doing watching that? It's awful. Uh, but then the sprints are like the highest anticipated thing, right? Because it's like, oh, the sprints, and, there's, and, then, and it's over in a second. You know, it's just like high energy, and it's over in a second. Well, again, what we're finding here in this letter is Paul saying, I hate to break it to you, but the, the Christian walk, it is like this marathon. The Christian walk, a journey with Jesus, is a long, it's, we want to, we, it's a marathon. We want to go for the long haul, all right? We want the long haul. We want the long race. And Paul's saying, I long to know him more and more, and it's a long, drawn-out race. The, the Christian walks not a sprint once and over, and I'm just like, oh, I just, but it's, it's a long haul. So Paul's actually going to give us again, okay? So last week, we hit three of them, three ways we grow in Christian maturity, Right? This week, we're going to look at three more ways that we can grow to know him more. Um, and so starting in verse, we're going to start in verse 17. All right. And here's, here's the first way that we can see here, again, how we can grow and how we can know him more. Number one, we can imitate those who walk like Jesus. We can imitate those who walk like Jesus. Now, when you look at verse 17, I don't know about you, but when I look at verse 17, I'm going to go, I hold it, Paul. Like, you sound a little arrogant, man. Like, imitate me. Look what he says. He says, imitate me. Keep your eyes on those who walk. <laughs> Doesn't this sound a little boastful? Doesn't this sound like, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not walking around like, all right, Grace Lincoln, you just need to be like me. Um, no, what, what, what is it? What is he really saying here? Because this isn't the only time he says this, by the way. It's not. Paul says this a lot. He says this, he says it in uh, chapter 4, 9. He says it in 1 Corinthians 4, 16. He says it in 1 Peter 5, 3. And again, very rarely do we find people that are humble that say stuff like this. So what does, what does he mean? What does Paul really mean? He's meaning this. He's meaning, imitate me. Look at me as I look at, as I look like Christ. He's like, imitate the way that you see Christ in me. Okay? Imitate the way you see Christ in me. And, and what, what ways, by the way, now when you hear that, what ways do we see that Paul looks like Christ? And the ways that we should imitate him? Well, he says it over, he says things all over this letter that we should imitate, like, He's, he's not a grumbler. He rejoices in the Lord. He doesn't do anything 
a selfish ambition. Like he, he there, there's a lot of selflessness to him. But one of the most profound ways that Paul, I think, uh, shows that, yeah, maybe we should imitate him as this looks like Christ is his desire, okay, knowing that he is weak and in need. Paul over and over and over again says, it's, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. It's what Christ has done in me. All right? It's what Christ has done in me. But also, Paul says something that's very interesting. He says, imitate those. He says, keep your eyes on those who walk according to my example. Now, and there's a couple of those he's talking about. Timothy, if you go back in chapter 3, you see Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, in fact, excuse me, it's in chapter 2. So Timothy, he says, keep your eyes on Timothy too. And what do we learn about Timothy? Timothy was generally concerned with the welfare of people around him. Like literally, like he was so concerned with the churches. Like he had, his heart was passionate uh, for them. And then Epaphroditus, you talk about someone maybe that he's saying you should imitate, imitate because Epaphroditus was someone who literally nearly died, nearly died, go ahead and go back and look at chapter 2, nearly died for the advancement of the gospel, was so passionate, was so hungry, was so willing to go for, 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 for Jesus that nearly died, okay? So, those are some examples. But I think what we need to really pull out of here is the fact that he says, walk. Imitate the way that I walk. Why that's so important is he's saying not just what I say. So this is really important. We need people in our life where we just, we don't want to, yes, make sure they're, they're talking, right? make sure they're, 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 they're glory, like the, the doctrine is sound, but we need to look at people's Lives, their lives. Um, this might be a silly example, but let's say that I was trying to climb a mountain. Okay, uh, and you know we're close to Colorado, so I'm all about this. Um, and so let's say we go and and I say we're climbing this mountain. This is giant mountain, and I'm looking at it. I'm at the base of this thing. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get up this thing. And all of a sudden, you see like a helicopter come by. And it, it lands on top of this mountain, and a guy gets out. And he gets a big megaphone, and he's like, Hey, down there, I made it up the mountain. And I'm like, Cool. And he's like, Yeah, I made it up here. You should be up here. Let me, let me tell me how to get up here. And he's shouting, and, he's like, and I'm like, I, I would be like, Dude, you got up there from a helicopter. Like, I don't, I mean, the more he would shout on my way up, I would be like, you didn't go up the mountain. What I would need, okay, what I would need is some lumberjack dude coming out of the forest with a gnarly beard, axes in his hand, all right, tattoos everywhere. Like, he still hasn't taken a shower in two weeks because he lives on this mountain. And he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, you want to go up that mountain? It's like, I've been up it a thousand times. I know all the nooks and crannies of the mountain. Follow me. Follow me. That's what I would need. 
And why? It's because he would know. He would know the pattern. I would be following behind him. Here's the hard reality about growing in Christ, guys. We need people in our life that have gone before us. We need godly mentors in our life, godly people around you. need godly people around you who have, who have, if you're a young parent, who have parented, who have paved the ways and can help show us. And you, you know, you, you constantly need this. And so let me, let me make this really practical for you. You can't be like someone you're not around. Okay, I mean, that sounds really blunt and really obvious, but it's so true. And we live in a more and more, like, uh, you know, I want to be more and more isolated. It's about independent. It's about me. Don't get people around me, Grandma. I don't want people around me because when I get people around me, it shows some things in my life. But I'm telling you, and Paul is saying, hey, if you want more of Jesus, you need godly people in your life. You can look at, you see Jesus and you're like, I, I see Jesus in you. Can I learn? Can I get around you? Shane's son, you guys know Shane's son. He's, he's been here many times. At, at assessment this weekend, okay, he said, hey, I'm 60 years old, or however I would be, probably mad if I told you. You know how old he was. But he's like, I'm, I'm this amount. I, you know, I think he said 60. I'm 60 years old. And he says, I still need coaches and mentors in my life. And so I would ask you, where do you feel? Like, who around you? Who around you is someone that you look at and you're like, you know what? I feel like I want to learn from you. And get under them. Get under them. You, we need that. And you might think, well, yeah. Um, I see this person, um, but it would be weird. How do I ask them? Just like, hey, can I just, I want to grow in an area of parenting. I want to grow in the area of how to handle my business in a Christ-centered way. And I see, I see you, brother or sister, and I just see Jesus all around you. Can we just, can we meet maybe once a week? Or can I just, can I, can I just get to know you? Um, and also know this, that you can, you can uh, have a, you can imitate those from afar as well. So there's so many good biographies around there that, you know, so there's so many good books and podcasts from world-class preachers and teachers that, man, get under, get under that. You can say, hey, I want to know who you know. All right? Does that make sense? We're good. We're tracking. So that's the first way where we can grow in Christ Jesus is, is, is imitate those uh, who look like Jesus. Second thing we see here, and we see this in 18 and 19, uh, people that are growing in Christ's maturity, are growing in and more of knowing Him, they keep their appetites in check. <laughs> a point. Uh, whoa, I don't mean like food, okay? Okay, I'm not seeing like, oh, they, they can have good portion control. But what, what do I mean? What do I mean? Well, Paul just got done saying, who to imitate in 17. Now he's going to shift to 18 and 19, and he's going to say, maybe these are some people that you shouldn't imitate. Now, in verses 18 and 19, there's a lot of debate here about who are actually these people that he's talking about. Um, and a lot of people don't really, um, they, they don't, they, they could say it could be this person, it could be this group of people, it could be this group of people. There's a lot of debate. But what is very clear is that these are people that are in the church. That's what's clear. 
Alright, so uh, what do we learn about these people that Paul says maybe watch out for? Uh, number one, we learn that they're enemies of the cross. The, it says in the text, it says, uh, you watch out for the, the enemies of the cross. And what does he mean by the enemies of the cross? He means this, that there's actually, and this actually makes me think that these people are the Judaizers. Okay? And the Judaizers were this. I've said this here before, but who knows if you remember it, you know? Uh, the Judaizers were Jesus plus something in order to be made right with God. And so Paul's saying, watch out, there's, there's enemies, and these are actually enemies of the cross. And so guys, I would say the same thing in our lives. Like, we are not a, uh, Christianity is not Jesus plus something. It's just Jesus, all right? It's just Jesus. And anytime we do Jesus plus, he's saying these are enemies of the cross because they're diminishing the cross. We are made right and new by just faith alone and grace alone. So they're enemies of the cross. And then he says their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. That's a really interesting phrase here. What does he mean by their God is their belly? He is meaning that they are run by their appetites. He is saying that whatever they feel the urge to want to get, they run and want to get so they get an urge for food. I'm just getting food. They, they have an urge for, for more wealth. I just want more wealth. They have an urge for this, this certain type of possession or this certain thing. I just, I just want it. There's no real self-control. They are just running rampant saying, you know what? Whatever I want, I want to get. I want to get. Life is about what I can get. What I can get. And I want more. And I want more. And I want more. That kind of sounds a little bit like our culture, right? And our flesh. I don't know about you, but that sometimes is my goal. I just want more. I just need more. That's our culture. I just want more. And 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 you know, I'm just gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna not learn with discernment and, and and pray through things, but whatever whatever my heart tells me I want to get, I'm just gonna go get. I remember one of my greatest mentors told me that one of the most profound things you can tell yourself is no. And I remember him telling me, he sat me down and he said, you know, Ren, what you need to do daily, some of the most profound people, some of the most people that are closest to Jesus, what they do daily is they deny themselves daily. He said, even when it's in your grasp to get something, he says, Rem, I want you to try for a month, every day, just to deny yourself of something. So you, you walk in and, and, and just, and because again, some of the, the hardest, the, the, the most dangerous things in life is just getting everything you want. You get everything you want. And then that's what Paul says. He says right here, he says plain and simply, these people are worldly. He says this, with their mindset on earthly things. Like, man, Paul, don't be blunt or anything. And what does he mean? He means that this type of person who are enemies of the cross, who are just running with their appetites, their mind is just focused here. Their mind is just on the earthly things around them. Their mind, it, it, again, just possessions and family, it's just here. And then he says, 
How's it in for them? He says, their end is their destruction. Their end is their destruction. It's meaning this, this type of life where you're you're not based off of grace. You're not, you're, you're just going after everything that you want when you want it. You're making everything about your appetites. And all you're doing is thinking of worldly things. He's saying that type of life is going to end in destruction. Because it's all about you. And Paul, so what's the remedy to this stuff? Because I hear this and I think, ah, I like Amazon Prime. <laughs> and, you know, I get on Amazon Prime and I, sometimes I get my appetites and they get to, Jesus, I need you. And that's exactly why Paul says, I tell you with tears. And why does he tell you with tears? It's because Paul knows that he knows this. He knows the human condition and God knows the human condition. That the more we get, the more we get, the more we get, sometimes what begins to happen is we're trying to fill our life with all of these things and they can't hold. They can't hold. This is what Jeremiah was talking about. He was saying, he says, my, my people have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He's saying, yeah, go ahead. Try to fill your life with all this stuff, with all this stuff, with all this stuff, with all this stuff. It can't hold. It was never meant to hold the weight of your soul. It was never supposed to bring you the joy that you really need. So the question then is, that leads everyone. Like, I have had so many conversations with people who have it all. And then they still say, I think there's something more. There's something more. And absolutely, that's what Paul is saying is, yes, there is something more. And this is what leads me to the third observation is that we grow in Christ's maturity and we grow in, in knowing him because we live as if you aren't home. You, you grow in Christian maturity by living as if you aren't home. Paul actually says that uh, to the Philippians that, that our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So it's, it's actually really interesting. He's, he's saying that those that grow in Christ's maturity realize that they aren't home yet. Because the, the fact is, is that when we come to know Jesus and we say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm given, yeah, I'm, I'm forsaken, the, the earthly things of this world, they can't hold the weight of my soul, they don't give me true purpose and life and hope and love and meaning, but I understand you do. What begins to happen now is your citizenship is actually transferred. Where your name is now written in the book of life. And so what does that mean? That means this is not your home. This is not our home if we're in Jesus. And, and I love this because look at the verse with me at the end of it. He says, um, and from this citizenship we await a Savior. We await a Savior. See, there's no, there's no greater, there's no greater, stronger motivation to live a godly life than anticipation. Or 
or anything in life, there's no really, I think, greater, stronger motivation than anticipation. And let me, let me just use an illustration to help you with that. I remember this, I had this crazy idea that I was going to, uh, so we own a pop-up camper, and um, I remember when I first got this pop-up camper, I was like, we're going to Florida. And, and <laughs> everyone thought it was a little bit crazy, because why we have four kids that were young at the age, and it's like a 14-hour drive. All right? So 14-hour drive, doesn't matter. I remember I spent so much time looking up beaches, restaurants, the right campground, all of this, because why? Because I could not wait to get there and be there, and I was anticipating that moment where life was good, my kids were like postcard happy, and, and, and everything was beautiful, and I'm on the beach. Now, hold it. And, and, and as I was going, when, when kids were screaming, it's too hot, we, another person says, I gotta go to the bathroom, pull over, I just blew a tire. What was getting me through those moments? It was like, oh, it was the moment, I, can't, I know, I know that time's coming, I'm gonna be sitting on the beach, and it's gonna be good. See, this is what's crazy. How crazy would it be if I said, all right, family, we're in Alabama, and we're at this pilot. Isn't this the greatest? I'm going to go ahead and pop up my, my pop-up camper in the pilot parking lot. And this is the coolest gas station ever. Isn't this great, Ellie? Isn't this great? I mean, I mean, yes, pilots are great. Okay? I'm not done in pilot, pilot gas stations. Okay? But it would be silly for us to stop at the pilot in Alabama. Why? Because the beach is there. And it's glorious. Here's the facts, guys. So many of us Christians, I'm not, yes, the earth is beautiful. Yes, this is God's place. Yes, we're not escaping. God is coming back. He's going to restore this world. It's not okay to its perfection. But this is just the place we're passing through. So many of us are so camped out right here at the planet, right here, that we lose the fact of where we're going. Where we're heading. We're headed into glory where Jesus is going to redeem and restore this creation. This is not our home. And why I have to say that really loud is because I have to remind myself of that all the time. Because the Christians, I'm telling you, the people I know around, and actually C.S. Lewis says this, yes, listen to this, C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since, here it is, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Like I absolutely got so much more pumped for what is happening here at Grace during the assessment. Like I'm, I'm just like, let's go. I cannot, I woo, you might need to dump some water on me because I just, I'm pumped. But guys, I'm telling you, I'm pumped because I know what church planning is about. 
I know what the base of the gospel is about. It's not about us trying to, hey, how, how can we grow into it? How can we think? How can we think just how we can make our lives better? It's about us. No. No. We're, we're, we are going to have vision and direction where we're saying, this isn't home. We're not home yet. We know where our citizenship lies. Our Christ is holiness, and we long. We long for that day. So that means, man, we can risk. We can risk for the sake of the kingdom. We can take new ground. And so that stirs me. And also, I'm right in the plane here. We have great hope. Because look at verse 21. It says, again, we, we await a savior. And that makes the pains of this world fall away. Listen, because if you just lost a loved one, if you feel like you cannot handle one more argument, oh my goodness, like there is conflict in the home, there is, there is broke, you, you, you are just crippled by the fact of thinking, ah, I've got so much fear and anxiety, but you know, schools start back up, and the brokenness of this world, listen, listen to me, let these things drive you to Jesus and him saying, child, I know. I know the things of this world are like this. I know you're not supposed to have that much anxiety. You're not supposed to have that much fear. Yes, I know that relationship is broken, but this is not home. This is not home. And child of God, call out to me and let me transform. Let me transform that. Let me take that pain. Let me take that lack of hope. Let me take that relationship. Stop holding on to it. He's saying, stop holding on to it. Those things can't hold. He's like, bring them to me. That's what he says at the end here. He says, Jesus will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. By the power. It's his power, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. To himself. And again, guys, this is our motivation. This is what Paul has been saying. He's like, Jesus has so transformed my life. He's so got a hold of me that I long to press on more into him through putting people around me that look like Jesus and who I can imitate. By keeping my appetites in check, understanding that, yes, Jesus tells me to, to deny myself and fall on his grace. But then thirdly, again, remembering that this is not home. And that Jesus is coming to redeem and restore this earth. And then again, you will grow by thinking more and more and more again about the fact that Jesus is renewing. This is not home. And I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep longing. I'm going to keep my hope in what he has done. What he has done. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for your great love for us. I thank you, Jesus, that we, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. I thank you that you are not going to uh, 
leave this creation the way it is, that you, you long to restore and heal this. And Lord, that's the fact of our own lives. I love the part of this passage where it says you will transform our lowly bodies. And Lord, again, if anyone under the sound of my voice, the sound of my voice is living like verses 18 and 19 where you're just focused on the things of this world, maybe filling their lives with things outside of you, but yet they feel convicted like, I want more. And they heard it, that Jesus is more. That he came to take their sin, their, their shame, their pain, and he died on, on the cross so that they can put faith in you and have life with you. I pray that, Father, that your Holy Spirit will begin to continue to draw them to yourself. Draw them to yourself. That they would admit the truth, that they're a sinner that can't save himself, but Jesus, you were God's son. And that you died on the cross for our sin, our shame, and you rose again, proving, proving that you had all power and victory to do it. And so Holy Spirit, move. Move in our heart, move in our hearts to that reality, that truth. We would never graduate. We never get over that. And so, Lord, help us as we as we continue to take new ground in in Lake Edward, that we would not grow weary, that you would help us to keep pressing on, pressing on. Fill us with your spirit. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, we come now to a time of tithes and off for Rain, and uh, where you know again, I encourage you to uh, to give. Um, you know, I, I believe our bulletin. I don't. So yep. uh, the verse in, in in there is Matthew six twenty one. It's one of my favorite verses as it talks about giving. It says this: For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And again, guys, giving is a way of letting go. <laughs> You know, letting go and saying, you know what, God, I understand that you have given this to me and I, I'm giving it back. You blessed me and so I, I want to give it back to the basement of your kingdom. So if that, if, if your heart is stirred to give, there's envelopes in the back, um, you can fill it out in cinnamon. Uh, there's also ways to give online as well, which is, is in the back. So if you were to Stand with us as we sing uh, our closing song. That would be great.
Alright, so the next verse in our passage says this. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Go this week, standing firm, pressing on the more again. Amen? Alright, blessings. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com.